into 1 Samuel 16, starting in verse 1. Read now the New Living Translation tonight. Here we go. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves. Come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height. I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance. Yes, they do, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimei. But Samuel said, neither is this the one that the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Well, there still is the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. Jesse sent for him. He was dark, he was handsome, with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had brought and he anointed David with oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. So tonight as we break down this story and then we get into our theme, my garden, turn to your neighbor and say, my garden, it's my garden. I love this story and I love this first part as God and Samuel are having a conversation. The first thing that God says to Samuel, he says, how long will you mourn? How long will you mourn? You see, Saul was picked as the first king of Israel and that's a big deal. Because God was to be the king of Israel. God was the king. He was the God. He was the ruler. They didn't need no fleshy. They didn't need no man as king. But the, the Jewish people, they complained day and night. We want to be like everybody else. We want a man to be our king. And so God gave them a king. And he gave them Saul as their very first king. But Saul, many of us know that Saul didn't do exactly what God wanted to. And so God rejected Saul as king. Samuel the prophet was very sad and he was torn. And so he says to Samuel here, how long will you mourn? That's a common problem for a lot of us. It's a common problem for all of us. You know, last week when we broke down our rocks, which I did not bring tonight, and I know that's sad, 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 but I still have my dirt and I got some seed and I also have some baking pans, which I'm going to take home tonight, which is exciting. But... Whatever you want. 
Whatever you want. Um, <clears throat> whew, the, um, so, when last week, when we were jumping in, two weeks ago, into our rocks, we talked about having six rocks. And we talked about how the devil wants us to be stuck on six, because six is the number of man, right? We know in the end days, what's the mark going to be? Six, 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 right? We know that number is horrible, right? As soon as we see anybody with those numbers and those digits anywhere, we go, he's the devil, right? Six, six, six. That number is just horrible. But you know what we fail to see most days is the six things that we deal with on a daily basis. And so one of the things that we talked about is holding on to our past. This is such a problem for so many people. Even Samuel the prophet, he was sad and he was mourning because God had rejected. Not him, rejected somebody else. So many times we try to hold on to the past. Good things, bad things, but holding on to the past, even if it's good, it is stopping you from what's better right in front of you, right? If you keep holding on to the past and if you keep mourning, oh, I wish I would have kept those stocks and oh, I wish I would have kept that dog and oh, I wish I would have kept this. Oh, I wish I would have kept that. Do you know how many people say this over and over and over and over again? Man, you know, 45 years ago, if I just would have done this, you know, I would be fine. There are so many people who re they rehearse in their minds the past. They rehearse bad things, bad things that they did. Most of us in this room are around 40 years old. So when we were like 20, 20 years ago when we were 20, right, how many of us, we did a couple bad things, just like two, right? You couldn't, you couldn't, it's just on one hand, just maybe two, maybe some of you are five, right? And I wasn't looking at you, 6-0, but I'm just looking in the back, okay? Point at Jose, okay, right, 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 yeah. Just keep going back, right? But how many of us, there's things from the past that still haunt us? And don't lie and don't cover it up. It's true. Many of us, we did things that we wish never did. The past is such an evil thing. And even for the prophet, even for the prophet of God, he's haunted because he is so sad that God rejected him. God says to Samuel, knock it off. Stop mourning for your past. Stop mourning for what was good. Stop mourning for what is bad. It's time to move forward. And this is a word that we all must speak today. 2020 is over. 2021 is here. We have no idea what's going to happen next. And it doesn't even matter, right? But the one thing that does matter is your relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the number one goal that every single one of us in this room right now, that should be our number one priority over anything in life, your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if he comes next week, that's the one thing that's important. If you die tonight, if you die tonight and you stand before God, it doesn't matter how nice you were, doesn't matter how handsome you were, doesn't matter if you had hair, if you didn't have hair, it does not matter any outward things, but the one thing, the number one thing that matters is your relationship with Jesus and what did you do with what God had given to you, right? We must move forward. It's 2021. Stop mourning over the past. Stop looking back. And it's time to move forward. Samuel, and even though he's a prophet, says to God, how can I go? I love this because here's a man who we see this all throughout the Bible. Men, women who do mighty things. And then God just asks one more thing. And it's like, ah, oh, how can I do that? All he was asking Samuel to do was to go and to anoint the next king of Israel. But in Samuel's mind, he's thinking, if the king sees me, 
he's going to kill me. But for one second, Samuel forgets the God that he serves. It's so easy for all of us to do this. In one second, we get scared. Oh, my gosh, I'm afraid to die. Oh, my gosh, there's a, a sickness out there, a virus that could kill me. Oh, my gosh. Wait a second. Do we have a God or do we not have a God? When God wants to take your life, God's going to take your life. When it's time to go and the light bulbs are going to turn off, guess what? They will turn off. But until then, he doesn't want you to worry about it. He wants you to go full steam ahead. And I love that even the prophet in this situation, he forgets for one second, how can I go? How can I go? I'm afraid. This guy, he's big, he's burly, he's got a beard, and he's going to kill me. How? How can I do it? So God says to him, says, listen, Samuel, all I want you to do is I want you to stick to the plan. You're going to take an animal. You're going to go. You're going to sacrifice. Stick to the mission. Stick to the plan. You know, how many of us know that, um, and actually I want to read a verse, but how many of us know that having a mission in life and having a plan is a good thing? If, if most of us in this room lead semi-busy lives, We've all learned you have to be organized, right? Whether you use your phone, whether you use Outlook, you use some form of a calendar, whatever you use, if you live a busy, semi-busy, not really so busy, any kind of life, most of us in, in 2021, we know that we need to be organized, right? Got to make time to watch TV. Got to make time for family, got to make time for kids, got to make time to walk the dog, got to make time to do this, got to make time to do this, right? So many different things. How, how is it that, that many of us, with however many plans we make every single day, it's so easy to lose sight of the plan that he has for us? When, when God and Samuel are having this conversation, he says to him, I want you to just stick to my plan. And that's what God says to us every single day. You're worried about so many things. I just need you to stick to my plan. I already laid it out. It's in the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. All I need you to do when you wake up, stick to the plan that I've made for you. Proverbs 16, 9 says, we can make our own plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Proverbs 21, 30 says, no human wisdom or understanding or plan can stand against the Lord. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. If you're going to listen to somebody, at the end of the day, who calls the shots? God does. You don't call the shots. You can call as many as you want to. At the end of the day, if you want to call your shots, guess who's going to pay for that? You will. And we do this. Many of us, we seek to do so many things, good things too, right? Whose plan is going to prevail for your life? When God needs to slow you down, guess who has the power to slow you down? When you are not listening and he needs you to listen, guess who stops you dead in your tracks? God does. Why? Because he wants you to stick to the plan, just like he tells Samuel. As Samuel gets to town, the people in the town, they start freaking out. The elders, it says, because here's the high, this is the prophet, this is the man of God. And they're freaking out. And they're thinking, oh my goodness, he's going to come. Maybe he's got a word of judgment for us. Maybe he's going to call down fire from heaven and we're all going to die. It says that they were terrified and they were trembling. You know, as I was reading this, there's one thing that, that kind of struck me. 
And I don't, I don't know if you see this today, but people really don't have a high regard and respect for Christian leaders like they used to. You know, in the old days, people respected pastors. People respected Christian leaders. But there are people who their main mission in life is to downgrade pastors, to downgrade Christian leaders. They criticize, they talk about all the time. Go back 50 years ago, that didn't happen. Go back 100 years ago, definitely didn't happen. 200 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 3,000, they trembled and they had high respect for people who preached the word of God. What happened to us as people because we've lost respect? And, you know, many people would say, well, you know, this guy, that guy, this lady, that lady. They judge by what? They judge by the outward appearance? Hmm. Do you have God's powers to judge and know someone's heart? No. So don't judge Christian leaders. Don't talk about them. There are people on TV who get judged all the time. There are people on TV channels who get judged all the time. I had this conversation with somebody not too long ago, and they're bagging some of the guys on TBN, and I said, listen, do you know how much money personally that they give and donate to their churches? No. Okay, then you do not have the right to talk about the way that they live. We have to shut people down. It's our job to defend. If you love somebody, you defend them, right? We are brothers and sisters in the same body of Jesus Christ, right? He is tired of our own blood, our own blood, our own flesh and blood, our own people being badmouthed all over YouTube, all over TV, while a lot of people, what do they do? Either they remain silent or say, "Mm, yeah, I was wondering that. It's not right. The old days, they trembled and had a high respect for people who led. God is asking us to have that same today. God is asking you to respect your leaders. He even tells us to respect the government, right? That's, that's, we, all, we all love doing that, right? Don't buy into downgrading, criticizing Christian leaders. It's not your job. You're wasting your breath. And you know who's gonna, who in the end pays for that? You do. If someone else is downgrading and criticizing a Christian leader, tell them to zip it. To zip it. Okay? And then he says to him, I want you to consecrate yourselves. I want you to consecrate yourself. I want you to purify yourself, and I want you to clean up. You know, one of the greatest things about God, and this is one of the things I love about God, we know that, you know, the prodigal son story, when the prodigal son came back, the father did not turn to the son and say, you need to shower before I give you a hug, right? He didn't say that. He embraced his son. He loved his son. And this is the picture of God Almighty. When God accepts us, he accepts us, what, our sin, our stink, our guilt, our shame, all of those things. He accepts us as we are, right? But at some point, grace shouldn't be taken for granted anymore. His grace shouldn't be taken for granted anymore. And at some point, his grace should lead you to consecrate, to purify yourself, to prepare yourself, to get yourself, your heart, your mind, your soul ready to meet with the Lord. Our grace, his grace should lead us, should move us. When I got saved at 19, and I'll never, ever, ever forget this, I was having a conversation with my mom, and I was in Idaho at the time, and I was staying at my sister's house, and I was having a conversation with my mom, and I noticed that there was a word that kept coming out of my mouth, and it was the F word, and I kept saying it, and I didn't realize that when I got saved, when I was not really unsaved, and, and you know, when you go back and you're not so good at whatever, how many people 
loved language, right? And you're, you're in conversation and people cuss and this, that, and the other. I didn't realize that when I got saved, how stupid it sounded. And as, as I was on the phone with my mom, and I'm realizing that as I'm saying a bad word, I'm like, this really sounds stupid. And as soon as I got off the phone, hey, I didn't ever want to say it again. God changed, his grace changed my life, and it changed my speech, and it changed the way that I wanted to walk and talk, the person that I was. God accepted me as I was, but at some point, his grace led me to change. God's grace needs to lead us to change. It needs to draw us in. We don't take advantage of his grace. We let his grace lead us to do something. Samuel's getting ready to do something, and he says to Jesse, I want you to bring in your son. And I want you to think about the pressure. I don't know if any of you remember being in school, and you had to get in a line, and they're going to pick, you know, you know, 10 players over here, 10 people over there. You know, and if you were the captain, you love to be the captain because then you got to pick, right? But for the very first person, how much pressure? Do you remember being in grade school and the pressure of whether it was football or handball or dodgeball? And it didn't even matter what sports you were playing. But the actual picking of the game, it was intense, right? This is exactly what's going on here. Because there is a prophet who's come to town. There's a prophet who's making a sacrifice with your family. There's a sacrifice who said, I'm going to anoint one of your sons. And this could only mean one thing. One of Jesse's sons is going to be anointed as king. All of a sudden, the pressure and the excitement that had to be in that house. Now, for Jesse, he's kind of like me. He's thinking, I can't wait because I don't have to pay taxes anymore, right? So there was some good thoughts, too. But the pressure started, started mounting. This pressure started mounting because which one is he going to pick? So he brings up his oldest. He brings up his firstborn. And how many of us know with kids, your firstborn, you love all your kids, right? All your kids are special. But your firstborn, they're your baby, right? They're the first kid, whether they're boy or girl, and they're awesome inside and out. It doesn't matter what they do. They're just perfect. You just want to smack them and hug and kiss them all at the same time, right? So you're proud of your firstborn. And I know that Jesse, he's thinking, I'm, man, my firstborn, he's got to be the man. He's strong and he's powerful. He's intense. And, and you know what? The prophet is thinking the same thing because as soon as he sees the firstborn, he's thinking, yeah, this has got to be it. This has got to be the one. But you know what really stinks? Samuel says, and he's thinking, yes. God says, no. Nope. Send him off. Because you're looking at the outward appearance. So many of us, and as we talk about, we're not really going to talk a whole lot about rocks tonight. I know that's saddening to, to some of you, but if you want to talk about rocks in your garden, appearance is one of the biggest rocks that people have had in their garden. The image that people live up to. There are people who will kill themselves trying to live up to an image that they're trying to attain to. There are so many people consumed with the image and the appearance that they have. There are people all over this world, guys and girls, not happy with the appearance, the body that God has given to them. And so for many people, I tell you, there are small rocks and there are big rocks just on appearance alone. And for, for many of us, we're stuck on outward appearance just like Samuel. The outward appearance. We see somebody walking, and it's like, heck no, that, that person is a hoodlum. I do not want to be next to that person. 
me out of here, right? It's amazing how quickly when we see someone, how quickly every single one of us, and we judge and don't lie because we're in church, right? Every single one of us, there is a moment where you can judge someone in a split second and you don't even know them. You can make your own opinion about someone you don't even know. This is exactly how Samuel was in this story. And God says, I do not judge by the outward appearance. I look at the heart. Many of us, we fail to see other people's hearts. Many of us, we see the outward appearance. And even, let's go to this, this other extreme where sometimes we're so giving and we're so kind because the outward appearance looks like there's truly needy people, but truly needy people sometimes aren't truly needy people. They're actually wealthy people trying to portray that they're needy people so that people continue to give to them, right? And that's where it takes wisdom. It takes wisdom. Be careful. God looks at the heart and he wants you to look at people's heart as well. And so he says to Samuel, stop looking at the outward appearance because I look at the heart, right? That God has Samuel walk all seven sons through, all seven, and all seven sons denied, rejected, passed by. How many of you have ever felt, see, now I'm in sales, and I'm, I'm a weirdo when it comes to sales, because I enjoy being rejected, right? I, one of my jobs is I have to go out and I have to call on new customers, and so I have been thrown out of restaurants, I've been told, don't you ever come in here again, I hate your company, I don't know you, but I think I hate you as well, and then you know what I do? I come back next week, with a smile on my face, it's Joe and Cisco, hey, it's Joe and Cisco. Rejection in me, it just doesn't bother me, Right? But I have to take a step back, and in this situation, I would think, this would hurt. This would hurt, because I know boys, most of us boys are competitive by nature, and you're thinking, one of us is going to be the king. It's going to be me, right? Not you. You're going to be serving me. You're going to be washing my feet tonight, right? To the brothers, they're probably already making bets and jokes, but seven boys, seven, seriously, seven all brought before Samuel, and God rejected every single one of them. Would not want to be in this situation and feel the rejection, be like, oh, man, I really wanted to be the king, right? I guess it wasn't me. Samuel turns to the dad and he says, is this all that you have? Is there a number eight? Your friend, your neighbor, and say, is there a number eight? Is there a number eight? You know, no matter what happens in life, Life is not perfect. There always, always is a number eight. Jesse says, you know what? I do have one more. He's tending the sheep. Let me go grab him. And as soon as he comes up, we know he says he's, he looks handsome. And, and they describe him in detail, even though we're not talking about outward appearance. But his outward appearance is described as he's got nice eyes. And maybe somebody you'd want for your daughter. Maybe not. It just depends. God says, this is him. This is the one. This is my number eight. This is my number eight. And he gets anointed. And as soon as he gets anointed, it says that the spirit of the Lord comes powerfully upon him. Powerfully upon him. Have you ever felt the power of the Holy Spirit? I'll never forget when, when I fully got saved. There was a lot of talk of the Holy Spirit that time. And it was just, you know, a few years ago because I'm not that old. But much talk about the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit everywhere. We're talking about the Holy Spirit in church, out of church, right? Everybody's talking about the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, all the, all the stuff in the Holy Spirit. 
When you feel the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, it's something that you do not want to lose. It's not something that you want to get rid of. David, later in his life, he says, Psalms 51.10, he says, God created me a clean heart because he wasn't perfect. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That is the number one sometimes missing ingredient why we fail in life is because we're neglecting the Holy Spirit. You have a helper. You have a friend. You have a, whether you want to call him a brother or a sister, he's not going to be offended, right? You have someone there to lift you up, to strengthen you, to empower you, to build you up, to give you every single thing that you need for living in godliness. Where? In the Holy Spirit. And in this moment, as soon as David's anointed, as soon as he gets anointed, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. It's one of those things that every single day, it's a good prayer. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And so with that tonight, as we painted that picture, we're going to jump into our garden theme. And so as we're looking at our garden, we remember that last week, and um, Aaron and uh, Micah, if you can come back up, you guys can help me for a second. Ooh, there's an ant up here. That's so nice. A couple of helpers. And when you guys get up here, you're going to open the seeds and put them on your nice little baking tray, which I'll wash before I bake Kim breakfast. Maybe. So as we get into our garden theme, we know that last time we were playing with rocks. And tonight we're going to be playing with seeds, right? Which is just as exciting. But it's very, very important to note and to state that I have to tell you, Two weeks ago, you know, what God put on my heart, you have to be careful of the rocks that you carry because if you are carrying and holding on to six things in your life, that number six, which represents man and flesh, it's everything that the devil wants you to hold on to because he wants to keep you from God, right? Tonight, we turn in and we get into the seed, which all of us, it is so vitally important, the seed that we put into our, to our garden. And tonight we have some sunflowers and we have some daisies and I'm not really sure what other ones we have, but they look nice. They're colorful, right, which is important. But as we use the seed tonight to illustrate as we're going to put into our garden, the seed represents life. Turn to your neighbor and say it represents life. Because we know that when something grows in a garden, it is producing life, right? When the, when the word of God is produced in our life, John 1, 4, and the word gave what? Life, right? The word gave life. The word gave Zoe, which means life. So the seed brings life. But the second thing that the seed does is it brings the truth. And the truth is so important. How many of us, we love the truth. Don't lie to me. Give me the honest to goodness truth. Tell me the truth. The Bible says, Jesus said, I am truth. And it's only truth that will set you free. The seed good for life. The seed that's good for truth, which brings freedom. And so as we get into our seed, I want to describe something before we get into a little bit of a fun little thing here. The moment right before Samuel goes to anoint, the moment right before he goes to anoint the King David, the moment right before, there's two things that he was dealing with, his past and fear. Before you encounter God, there's always going to be something that's coming to attack. In the moment and in the encounter, 
in the moment that God asked Samuel to do something, the moment right before, what is he dealing with? He's dealing with his past and he's dealing with fear. Before you walk into the store, on the way here, I guarantee you will be attacked. The devil does not want you to have a good worship night. The devil does not want you to hear the word of God. He will do everything he possibly can, the moment right before, to keep you from listening. And secondly, in the moment. How many of us have learned in life that the moment that we live, the present is so important? You know, we come to church, and it's hard, because sometimes when we come to church, you know, sometimes pastors are nice, and they teach for an hour and 10 minutes. Sometimes pastors are mean, and they only teach for 25 Be happy to know on Sundays, I'm going to have to cut myself short a little bit. So for some of you, you can hand clap to yourself privately later. But I won't have as much time to start on Sundays as I have on Saturdays, so I'm shedding a tear. It's very sad. But it's, it's the moment that the Word of God is spoken. It's the moment that is so important. The moment right before is important because you are being attacked. But the moment that the word of God is spoken, the moment worship starts to play, that's when the devil goes into overdrive. And he goes into overdrive because you know what he wants to do? He wants to distract you from worshiping. He wants to distract you from listening, right? One of the, one of the biggest ways... To do that is these dumb smartphones, right? Smartphones are dinging. Somebody's calling. Oh, my gosh. Cousin Sue needs this, and Billy needs this, and this person needs this. And oh, my goodness. There are so many distractions. And then even within ourselves, all of a sudden, we're thinking, ah, I'm a little thirsty. A little water would be good right now. Or I'm a little hungry. Maybe some popcorn sounds good right now, right? So many of us dealing with so many distractions. When? Why is it? It's when the word of God is being spoken. The devil is in overdrive when it comes to the word of God, when it's being spoken, because he doesn't want you to get it. He does not want you to get it in the moment. And you know what he wants to do? He actually wants to block the seed from hitting your ground. Can you give me one of those over there, Micah? And, and we have some nice, I decided to get some $1.48 pans at Walmart because that's just the greatest store in the world. But um, we, the devil uses different tools when he's trying to distract you. He doesn't use the same thing twice, right? If he can't distract you one way, if he can't use one pan to whack you up the head, he's going to use a different one, right? And you know what he does with these pans? You know what he's doing? Is he's, he's catching the word of God. You know, the Bible said Jesus was telling this parable about the seed, and he said the seed is the word of God. And he said the very first thing, what does the devil do? Soon as the word goes out, the devil comes to snatch away. And you know what he does? He goes to block it, and he catches the seed from hitting. Now, some of them may hit. Some of them may hit. But you know what he does with the rest? Ah, oh, you don't need that. Ah, oh, you don't need that. Oh, that, was, that one would have really helped you out. That one really, really been good. Oh, we can just give you a little bit. This is, just, this is just some prosperity over here. We'll put a little bit of that in there. Oh, here's a little bit of tithing. That's okay. Oh, this one. Oh, that would have been really good for you. Oh, there it goes. One of the things that I want to I use as an example tonight is the word work. And when you think about the word work, that is a four-letter nasty word in my mind, right? It is. In my mind, some of us love it. 
Some of us just really don't, right? There's some jobs I like, some, some that I, my day job I don't like. But guys, thank you. You're awesome. Give our guys a hand. They did good right up here, right? Turn up the seed. Two handsome little devils. I mean, two handsome little sweet guys. I want to illustrate this point of, of blocking the word of God. And, and I think at Zoe, this illustrates this to the T. Because if you've been at Zoe for a little while, at our last building, how many of us remember bringing chairs in and out, right? How many of us remember? There was, there was, there was multiple rooms that we set up and we tore down every single Sunday and Wednesday night, right? We did it, right? And it was a lot of setup. And then we moved in here and then we kind of inched our way. We like tried a little of this, tried a little of that. And then it's just like, well, we just love setting up so much. So we just keep adding more stuff, right? But we love, we love, I guess we love to work sometimes. So we work at what we love. Second Thessalonians 3.10 says this. Even while I was with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Now, most people, they will quote this to homeless. If you're not willing to eat, I can't give you a buck, right? You can get a buck at uh, a large fry McDonald's for a buck. I ain't going to give it to you. You don't deserve it because you don't work. How many people over the years called people lazy, this, that, and the other? But tonight, what I want to do is why don't we look at this spiritually? Because most of us have learned, we don't work, bills don't get paid, right? We don't work, I and mean, maybe not all of them get paid anyway, right? But, you know, we're working for most of them, right? Let's look at this spiritually for a minute. If Second Thessalonians 3.10, unwilling to work, do not get to eat. Do you think for a second, follow me with this, if, if, if we are building a spiritual garden, if God's desire for you is spiritual growth. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter if you're 45, the oldest person in here. It does not matter if you're 45. You have not learned it all at your age. There is still many more things for you to learn. If spiritual growth is important, do you think it's important to God? If it was important to us, many of us treat spiritual growth the way we treat this verse. You see, because many aren't willing to work to eat what God wants to give us. Working for God is tough. I don't want to help Jose and John. They're, man, these guys, these guys, you know, and I have a new term for this guy over here. He's the stallion, Jimbo. Man, he is Jimbo and stallion over here. Sorry, I like stallion now better because he's, man, last, last Saturday night, we're here till like 10, 1030. And Jim is carrying, you know, five pallets on one arm. It was awesome. But many of us look at, at me and Jose and wonder why he works so hard. Every single week, week in, week out. And that's a lot of work. Because maybe, but maybe, maybe working so hard so that we can have this also is producing something in the background that we don't see. If you want to spiritually grow, do you think God zaps you or do you have to work for it? Do you think, oh, I want to be the wisest person on the... Now, we know Solomon, all right? He was a lucky man. He had a dream. God says, ask me one thing. He's asked for wisdom. All right, bam. All right, he got it, okay? It's not for any of us, though, okay? God's not going to just zap you. 
If he, if you, and he's asking you oh, to stop being the Christian you were yesteryear, to stop being, stop being, stop mourning your loss from five years ago, stop mourning the loss from five minutes ago. If you want to grow, you have to work for it. You have to put your hands in the dirt and you have to work for it. If we want a garden to grow in this, it's going to take work. If you want to produce something beautiful in your life, it's going to take work. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says this. We gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. And I honestly think that he was talking spiritually. Because in this day and age, I will tell you, and, and I love a lot of pastors out there, but there's a lot of churches and pastors who have created a culture where people come in and out, and they do nothing to lift their hands for the work of God. Come in, the air's already turned on for you, so you can sit down and be cozy. It's nice, and it feels good. But God didn't create you just to be a spectator. He created you to be a part. God created you to be a part and to do something. He's given you two hands. He's given you a mouth. He's given you eyes and ears, and he wants you to use those. If there is one person that tells you don't work so hard for God, tell them to zip it up because that's where the blessing is. The blessing is not in being lazy for God. The blessing is how you work for God. The blessing is how you work for God. Proverbs 12, 24, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy, be a slave. And let's just think about that spiritually again. If you work hard at your spiritual life, I guarantee you God will use you to lead other people. But if you decide you want to be lazy, it says that you're going to become a slave. If you think, ah, I don't want to work hard. I don't want to, I'm looking at John and Jose. They look like they're sweating too much. They don't look happy when they're running back and forth. They look like they're crazy men, right? Don't talk to them. They look like crazy men. They're working so hard. But you know what? If you don't work hard for God, the Bible says you will become a slave. Because you know what we as people do? We get bored. So if we're not working and doing something good, you know what happens? You end up doing something you shouldn't. Work hard, become a leader. Be lazy, become a slave. Romans 12, 11, Never be lazy. Work hard. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Didn't say, Paul didn't say work hard, serve the Lord with depression. He didn't say, work hard, serve the Lord with a complaining mouth. He didn't say, work hard, serve the Lord, and just whine, whine, whine. Because a lot of us have learned how to do that. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. That means with a smile on your face, I am serving God. I'm not serving man. I'm serving God. I'm doing my part to build the kingdom of God. I'm doing my part to do whatever it takes to build the kingdom. Jesus goes on in Matthew 25, 26. It says, the master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. If you knew that I harvested crops, I didn't plant, gathered crops, I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And here's the parable of the talents. And there was three men given money. There was some given, you know, five, and another given two, and another given one. There was one guy who decided, I don't want to work for that man. He's mean. So I'm going to bury it in the ground. And Jesus described this man as a wicked and lazy servant. And he said, take from this man everything and give it to someone else who's going to work for it. God created us as people to work. 
And if there's anyone, anyone telling you to stop working, tell them to zip it up. Because work is good for us as people. It takes work to build a beautiful garden. People, when they're consumed with their outer appearance, they spend how much money on themselves? You don't zap yourself and have 35 new outfits, right? You don't zap and have 25 new pairs of shoes, right? You have to work for the new things you buy, right? But why as it comes to Christianity, sometimes we fail and we stop because we don't want to work or maybe we would rather complain than working for what God has made us to do. And so tonight as we start to wrap up, my title is called B8. Turn to your neighbor and say B8. B8. Not V8. I wanted it to be V8, but it's not V8. It's B8, okay? It just works, okay? B8. So tonight we painted this picture with the story of Samuel. There was, there was nine men in this story, right? There was Jesse, his seven sons, and then the other. Said your neighbor, yeah, the other. The other guy. And in this story, seven men were passed by. And listen, this is what these men, this, if I was standing there, this is what I'm thinking they're learning. Seven men learned that night, God is looking for a man who has a heart, who has integrity, who has character, but one who's willing to work. Because what were the seven doing? They're hanging out at home, and what's the youngest one doing? He was out working in the fields. Who was working, the one who had a heart, the one who had integrity, the one who had character, that's the one who got picked. And they're thinking to themselves, wow, if I would have obeyed God, oh, and if I would have listened, I would have gotten picked. Maybe I would have gotten picked. But you know what? You think about it. God could have came to the house, and he didn't have to go through all the mumbo-jumbo. He didn't have to use Samuel and all the seven passerbys and this and that, right? He could have just gone to the house, and they could have just picked David first, and they could have had a big party, and woo! But you know what he wanted to do? God had to make a point with the seven because you can't go from number seven. Seven is the number of completion and perfection, but you can't get to a new beginning until you pass number seven. You see, because there are people in Christians in our life, and this is where we get to be eight. Look, we get to a point where we feel like I'm spiritually starting to get it. And then you know what God does? He shakes up your life and then he'll take this out and he's going to take that out and he's going to, Take that out. And then you know what you have to do? You have to start all over again. You have to start with a new beginning. Seasons in Christianity, from the beginning until now, there's different periods, there's different time frames, and there's different seasons in Christianity. And I want to say this. We are coming out of a season there was years of peace in the Christian church. There was years of growth and prosperity and good things and all those kinds of stuff. But you know what? That period is coming to an end. And there's a new season coming. And that new season is only going to be led by Christians who are choosing, are going to choose to be number eight. What is number eight? The number eight is a new beginning. Every person in the world deserves a new beginning. Every person deserves hope. Every person deserves a new chance. Every person deserves to be forgiven. What did Jesus say? If you don't forgive, I will not forgive you, right? 
Every single person deserves a new chance, a new moment, a new beginning. There was seven people in the story who went through the process and they felt rejection and they felt passed by because God was teaching them a lesson. I would have picked you, but you weren't like your younger brother. You could have been king, but you weren't like him. You chose a different path. God wants to make you prosperous. God wants to make you a king in your own mind and in right in your leadership. But to get the way that he wants you to get there, it takes hard work. It takes hard work. And it takes being a number eight. Do you live by being a new beginning? Do you live by giving hope and peace? Do you understand that there is a season that's ending and there is a new season that is right upon us and it needs us as Christians to be different than what we were yesterday? Because it's not gonna survive. It's not gonna survive. If we keep church up the way that it used to be, it won't survive. It must change. We must change. We must be the number eight. God's picked you. God selected you for this season. God has selected you for this time. And he's selected you to be the number eight. Worship team, if you can come back up and I'm gonna have you all stand as we're all gonna close here in a second. As we get ready to close tonight, I'm gonna read one more verse. Philippians 2.12. And I'm gonna close with this verse. And I want you to remember the seed of God, the word of God, and I want you to remember what the devil is trying to do. Because if you notice my pans, three different shapes, three different sizes, because he's not always going to use the same thing. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to use people. He's not only going to be putting lies in your head. He's not going to just, just use himself in the, in the way that he puts lies in your head. You know what the devil's going to do? He's going to use brothers and sisters. And he's going to use other Christians. The devil loves, you know what he loves? puppets and a lot of times you know without realizing it many of us we get used by the devil in an instance and if we think of our word tonight work that horrible four-letter word how many of us have said ah just too hard to work at zoe but as i take a step back as i take a step back as i was reading as i was preparing this god said it's those who work hard in the next season they are the ones who are gonna see the greatest blessings. The gospel has to move forward, but the gospel is gonna take a lot of work. And he wants to know, will you be his number eight? Philippians 2 says this, Dear friends, you've always followed my instruction when I was with you. Now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation for our friends for our family they probably know when you got saved some people were born born in the back seat somewhere right some some believers they were born in the bathroom they've been they've grown up in church right they have all their lives and some people some of our best friends they know our story they know this they know that paul describing this he says work hard and show results what's the results of your salvation not anybody else's, because that's the other tool the devil wants us to do, get stuck on somebody else, right? Are you driving your race car, or are you going to help drive somebody else's race car? God wants you to drive your race car, so he wants to focus on you. 
What's the results of your salvation? What's the results? Where's the hard work? Where is the sweat, blood, and tears that you've put into, not just Zoe, but into Christianity? Let's pray.